I'm going to open up here and read a passage in Deuteronomy. And um, this is, was the Lord's word. This is Moses speaking the Lord's word to the nation of Israel. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, he says, Ask now about the former days, long before your time. From the day God created human beings on the earth, ask from one end of the heavens to the other, has anything so great as this ever happened, or has anything like it ever been heard of? Has any other people heard the voice of God speaking out of fire, as you have and lived? Has any God ever tried to take for himself one nation out of another nation by testings, by signs and wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, or by great and awesome deeds, like all the things the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes? You were shown these things so that you might know that the Lord is God, besides him there is no other." And the book of Deuteronomy is one of my favorite books in the Old Testament. Moses is reminding the nation of Israel of everything that God has done for them. They, they are about to enter the promised land, and it's like God is going back and reminding the nation of Israel of everything that the Lord has done for them. And he's also warning them as they enter the promised land not to forget God. But if you read the Bible, what did they do? They forgot God. He said, when I give you vineyards you didn't plant and houses you never built, don't get, don't get full of yourself and everything that you're enjoying, and all of a sudden you forget who it is that gave it to you, and that's exactly what the nation of Israel did. But, but God is speaking here in Deuteronomy. He is speaking to his people. The, the nation of Israel was God's people on the earth. Well, look what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once, who, who, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Look at the parallel there that, that, that the Bible gives us of the Old Testament and the New Testament, of the nation of Israel and of the people of God, who we are today as God's church. And um, I'm going to conclude the message I started last week, the people of God. This would be the second part of that, taken from this passage here in 1 Peter. But, but look at what, what um, Moses said there in Deuteronomy. He says, has anything so great as this ever happened? And he's telling Israel, as, as any God, and we know there's only one God, but, but Moses is telling the, the people of Israel, as any other God, though they were false gods, ever taken from, 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 for himself a people out of the nation and made for himself another nation and blessed them the way the Lord has done. And then he was reminding them of everything that God had did for them in Egypt. And we know if you go back and read the, the story of Egypt, remember when the nation of Israel was in Egyptian bondage and God, God sent Moses and what I got to do is he did all of those plagues, all those miracles. And it was like, like the nation, the na they saw that with their very eyes, what it was that God has done for them. So think about that if you make the parallel with us as the New Testament church. Has anything so great as this ever happened? What would be the great thing that God has done for us? The cross. Has anything so great as what God has done for us through the cross of Calvary ever happened to God's people? No, nothing, is, no, nothing so great has ever happened. That God would call one nation out of another nation. That, that is us, that God has called us out of the, the place where we lived, the place where we were from, the, 
the, the, the place where we grew up, God called us out and called us to be his people, to be the nation, another nation, the nation of God. Has anything so great as that ever happened to us? No, nothing like that has ever happened. And then it, it, it's just, just as, the, as the Lord was speaking in Deuteronomy, the Lord is speaking to us today. We, we are God's own special people. That, that, that's who we are in, in, as the church of God. So how do we become God's special people? You know, somebody may think, well, it's because I'm such a good person. You know, God just likes me because I'm so good. Well, the Lord also told the nation of Israel, don't think that I have chosen you because you are good. And he said, it's because, no, you're obstinate and you're stiff-necked, the Lord told them. It's not because you're good, it's because God was good. And God, and God had chosen them. So we are not, not God's special people because we are, there, there's any good in us. In John chapter 1, it says, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. But look at verse 12. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. So look what the Bible says here. And who is the he that they're talking about? He was, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Who's the him? It's Jesus. John's, John's talking about Jesus. It says the world, the world he created as a whole did not recognize him. Think about that. Jesus came to, an, to a world and, and surrounded himself with a creation that he created. Yet the Bible says the world did not recognize their creator, the one who created them. And then it says his own did not receive him. Who was his own? His own were the Jews. It was the Israelites. It was the they, they of all people should have recognized who the Messiah was. They, they had been told their whole life, all throughout the whole the, uh, the Old Testament, that 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 a Messiah was coming, a Savior was coming. That that that, that this that God was going to send a, a a Savior to the world. They should have recognized. But the Bible says that even His own people rejected Him, and not only did they reject Him, they killed Him. They, 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 they put him on a cross, and they, 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 they refused to believe in who he was. Why? Because their hearts were hard, the Bible says. They didn't want to change their hearts. But verse 12, th this is where you and I fit in. It says, yet to all who did receive him. How many received him here today? Amen. Come on. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That, that's us. So what's, what's the connection here? The connection's Jesus. That's what makes you special. You're not special because you're special. You're special because you have believed in the name of Jesus Christ. That, that, that's the connection that we have. So we need to make sure we understand that, that, that but to those who did receive and believe in Jesus, not a religion, not a denomination, not a creed that you follow, how many verses of Scripture you can memorize and all those different things, what makes you God's special people is you believe in the name of Jesus Christ. We've confessed with our mouths. We've acknowledged that there's only one way, and his name is Jesus. So guess what that gets us? That gets us favor. That gets us blessings. That gets us joy. That gets us peace. See, I, I'm connected with the truth of what the word of God says. I'm a Christian. That's who we are. 
So I love what, 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 what John says. It says, yet to, to all, to all, that's us here in 2022, to all. And then it says, those in Christ, we are, we are the children of God. See, some people say, well, we are, we are all God's children. Not according to what the Bible says. We, we're all created by God, but we're not all God's children. Who are God's children? Those who follow Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. That might offend some people. They might say, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a child of God. Not, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says I become a child of God when I accept his son, when I surrender my life to Jesus Christ. And then it says, and I love that, not of human origin, but born of the Spirit of God. See, it's not by works. It's not by anything that we do to earn, earn our special place in God's eyes. We're not earning our way. We're not working toward our way. There's nothing you can do to earn that. It wasn't even by, a, it was not your decision. It was God's decision born by the Spirit. See, it had, our position as God's special people has nothing to do with me and everything to do with Jesus. See, I can't take no credit for this. I can't ever say and boast, well, look what I did. It's according to the Bible, I didn't do anything. I surrendered. I, I acknowledged. I I agreed with God that Jesus was, your, that was my salvation, but I didn't do anything to earn that. I, I, I agreed with you, God. Jesus is my salvation. That's all. We confess Jesus Christ. I am the people of God because I have received the truth of God's Son, Jesus. Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. And he, what did Jesus tell Nicodemus? You must be born again. you got to be born again. And that, that sounds like a crazy, far-off, you know, religious fanatic term, but really it's not. It's very understandable if you follow what Jesus was saying there. And Nicodemus thought, and we laugh at that, but we would have thought the same thing. Nicodemus really thought that Jesus was telling him, you got to go climb back into your mother's womb. But he had never, see, we've heard the phrase born again our whole Christian adult life. So we know what born again means. Well, guess when, that was the first time that was probably ever spoken on the earth. And Nicodemus didn't know what that means, but what Jesus was saying is you can't, it's nothing to do with earth, Nicodemus, it's all to do with the Spirit. See, the Spirit of God comes in, we're born again by the Holy Spirit. And now, now we, become, we, become children of, we become children of God. So I don't know about y'all, but that's something to get excited about. See, that, that's what we, we should be excited when we come into the house of God. We should be excited when we live our lives out in the world. We are God's special people. But we don't go around boasting and bragging because we're so, we're special. I'm special because of Christ in me. But you can be thankful. You were wise. You, you exercised wisdom and prudence because you believed on the name of Jesus. What I said, I think I said it last week, that's the, best, the most, that's the best decision you'll ever make. You'll never make a better decision than that. I don't care how many degrees you get, how many companies you own, Elon Musk, what has he got, the billion, all the billion, it doesn't matter. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? You've made the most valuable decision you could ever make. You've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And now we celebrate, we're excited, we're we're God's special people. So just to recap real quick, last week's um, message, we talked about you, you are a chosen generation, that, that God chose you. And you know, if you read the Bible, really, as Christians, you know, we say, well, we chose God. 
and you accepted God, but you didn't choose him. The Bible says that God chose you first, that we love. Why? Because he first loved us. We, we love because God, because God loved us. So we, we are a chosen generation. God chose you to be set apart to be his people on the earth today. So we are blessed. We're forgiven. We're healed. We're free. We have eternal life, and we have life to the full now in Jesus. So, so last week I said that that was the, what compelled me to share this message was out of wanting to encourage us, that, and we should be encouraged. But see, there's so many things in the world that try to pull us down, so many distractions, so many discouraging things, not just things in our life personally, but things in the world that are happening, and everything is just constantly trying to pull us down as Christians. So what do we have to do? Well, the Bible says fan your flames. <laughs> fan the flames. You've got to stir yourself up. Remind yourself who you are in Christ. Don't let the, 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 don't let the enemy win the day. Jesus won the day. You are victorious in Christ. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Build yourself up in Christ and remind yourself of who you are in Christ. And when those feelings start to come, that's a spiritual feeling. That's a, that's a, that's a principality in dark places that's coming against you that's trying to pull you down. Remind yourself, go to the Bible, let the, let the word of God encourage you to begin to tell you who you are in Christ. See, Peter said, Peter said, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. See, we are set apart. But why? some, some translations say you are a peculiar people. You're, you're peculiar. Did you know that? Someone's probably told you that before. I've been told that many a times. You, you, you are, you're weird, you're nuts, you're all those different things. Well, that's what the Bible says, I'm peculiar. But why are we peculiar? Because we don't go the way the world goes. I don't walk where they walk. I don't talk the way they talk. I don't look at the things they look at. I, I don't believe the things that they believe. I, I'm on what we said last week. We're on that narrow road. But it's a blessed road. They're on the broad road. That, that, that's the easy road. You don't have to make a decision to get on the broad road. You're really already on that road. You're on that road. The hard part is when you make the decision to jump off the wide road and get on a narrow road. Yes. But when you get on a narrow road, see, I got, I got blessings. I got peace. I got joy. I got favor. I'm a child of God. I would, I'd rather stay on that road my whole life than get on the wide road. So we have to remind ourselves. But see, we are set apart. We are set apart unto God. We are set apart unto holiness, the Bible says. Why? We represent who God is. We are, we are Christ's ambassadors, the Bible says, on the earth. We are representatives of Christ. When someone looks at your life and looks at my life, they should be able to say, that, that's, that's what Jesus is like. That's what God's like. That we're not God, but we represent God by our, by our actions, our attitudes, our words, our, all those things. We're, we're Christ-like. That, that's, that's who we should be. So... But Peter tells us, and we're going to look at this in the second half of this passage, that we were saved for more than just to be a chosen nation. See, a lot of Christians think that, well, I'm, you know, God saved me, and really that's all I need to do. I just need to get saved, and then that's, that's the end of the story. Well, and I've heard people say this before, and it makes sense. If that was the end of the story, God would probably have, would have taken us to heaven at that point. If there was not a purpose or a plan for my life anymore and all God wanted to do was just to save me, then why didn't God just go ahead and take me away at that moment? He didn't. He left you here for a plan. He, le he left you here for a purpose. So, yes, we are born again. We're forgiven. We're all of those things. But why has the Lord done all these things for us? 
because you have a purpose now, a real purpose, a meaningful purpose, a meaningful life. You are now useful for a noble purpose. So last week in the first part of my message, I concentrated on the, on the part that, the, and I shared this phrase in that description I gave in that, uh, that to know who you are. In other words, to know who you are in Christ, that you are chosen, you are set apart, you are peculiar, all those things. Know who you are in Christ. But in the second part of the message today, I want to concentrate on know what your purpose is. Amen. Know what your purpose is. That, you know, we know Peter told us who we are in Christ. You're a, you're a chosen generation. You're set apart. You're a royal priest. That, that's who we are. But then in the second part of this passage, Peter really concentrates on what our purpose is. Why do we exist? There's a reason, there's a, there's a plan, there's a purpose for that. So, see, believers, we can get so enamored in everything that God has done for us that we forget that God has a plan for my life. He has a purpose for me. You know, we can get all excited about what he's done, but we forget that there's something that God wants to do for us. So, let's look at this in um, verse 9. In 1 Peter 2, it says, "...that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness." into his marvelous light. So Peter tells us here, you were called to tell others about our glorious God. You were called to tell others about our glorious God. And I, I've always wondered what this passage meant here when it says, you proclaim, proclaim the praises. I, I thought that was kind of contradictory because how can you proclaim praise? Now, well, you, you can proclaim it, I guess, as you praise God, but to me it, it felt like it was saying proclaim and praise felt like two different things, like they were almost... Like, I'm praising God, but what am I proclaiming? You know, and so I did a little study on that, and I looked at that, and the word praises here means virtues or excellencies and of the supreme qualities of God. So, so look at what the Amplified Version here says, and this, this makes more sense. It says, so that you may proclaim the excellencies, the wonderful deeds and virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So what is, the, what is the message that we are proclaiming? What is it that we proclaim? The gospel. The, what does the gospel mean? The gospel actually means good news. What's the good news? The good news that I don't have to stay in my sinful condition. The good news is I can actually be forgiven. The good news that God loves me. The good news that I have eternal life. The good news that I was on the way to hell, now I'm on the way to heaven. There's good news. And the Bible says we are called to declare the virtues or the excellence or the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, the good news was, and look at 2 Corinthians 5.19. It says, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Look, look, what, look what it says there, that God was no longer counting man's sins against them. See, what was the wages of sin? The wages of sin is death, the Bible says. But the, God said, I'm willing to wipe all of that off the page. Just take that completely off the page. And now in Christ, you're forgiven, you're brand new. We're reconciled back to God. That's good news. That's something that God's church should be proclaiming. We should be declaring. We should be shouting those things to the, to the rooftops. To anybody that will listen to us, look what God, look who, look who God is. Look what God's done. That's what Peter's saying. Now you are chosen, you are set apart, you are a royal piece of for what? 
that we might declare the praises, the virtues, the excellencies of God. See, we have a purpose. Thank you, Jesus. We all want a purpose, right? I think everybody wants a purpose. Even people in the world, that's why people are doing all the crazy things and the people want to, they want to feel like they matter. Does my life count? Well, you might count in the world, but you count more for Jesus when you're serving God. That's like the top of the hill now. You're, at the, you, you're a CEO now. You, you're the best you could ever be. You're at the top. So what are some of the virtues or excellencies of God? What are some things that we can we, we could declare? Well, one of them is his love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, the Bible says. The Bible says God is love. He didn't learn love. He wasn't taught love. He, his very nature about who he is, the Bible says God is love. But see, that love is unconditional. See, it, did, it wasn't predicated on, who, on how you acted and on your sin and your, your rejection of God, all those things. It was unconditional. It's agape love, the Bible says. It's, an, it's a love. You and I really, in Christ we can get close, but it's hard for us to really understand what that love is all about because that's God's love. And that can only come part, become part of us when we become a Christian. But it's unconditional. So th if that's the only thing you tell somebody, that's a big thing. You can tell somebody, you know what? God loves you. And somebody might think, they might say, you know what? I'm not a lovable person. I did this, 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 and this. And you open up the Bible and say, you know what? But it doesn't matter. God sent his son anyway. He loves you. For God so loved the world. And the Bible says, and yet, while, while we were still sinners, while you were still in your sinful condition, your rejecting condition, even now the world, the world's still rejecting Christ. Like what is the, the cross still stands out before the world says, I love you. That's the love of God. Even in our sin, God still loves us. So, so that, if that's the only thing we declare, that's huge. God loves you just the way you are, the way you were created, your personality, the, 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 all the silly things about you, the way you look, all those, your education, God loves you. That's huge. What's another thing? What about his mercy? His mercy is not getting what we deserve. What do we deserve? We deserve death. Punishment, separation from God. That, that was our sentence, and that, 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 that was over, but, but the mercy of God. See, what does the Bible say? His mercies are new every morning. See, so, what do we, so now when that says you declare, you declare the praises, now it makes sense. I'm declaring the virtues of God. I'm, I'm declaring the love of God. I'm declaring the mercy of God, that God will have mercy on you. Yes, you messed up. You made a mistake. You're a sinner. We're all sinners, the Bible says. But God loves us, through, and he, he extended his mercy to us. What about the grace of God? What is grace? Great, grace is getting what we don't deserve. That's getting what you don't deserve. That's the grace of God. What does the Bible say? For by grace, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, lest any man should verse. It's not of works. See, there's no earning there's no saying, well, I'm going to be a good person and then God's going to love me more. No, it doesn't work that way. It's all in Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith in Jesus. The grace of God. What does the grace give us? It, it, it gives us healing. It gives kindness, joy, all of those things, pardon, peace, all those things. And then, then we have the forgiveness of God, that God has forgiven us in Christ. All, all your past, present, 
and future sins. The Bible says in Christ we were forgiven. That alone should be enough to make us lift our hands up in this place. Let anyone say, God, you've forgiven me. God, thank you, I'm forgiven. You, you, you love me, you forgave me. See, we, we, are the, we are the people of God, this God's special possession. So what do we do? We go declare those virtues. We go declare to the world, look what God, look, this is who God is. Because the world's not telling them that's who God is. The world's telling them that God's the mean person upstairs take, making a list of everything they've ever done that's wrong. But that's not the God I read about. That's not the Jesus I see. We got to declare that church. That's what God, that's our, that's our mission. That's our purpose. That, that's, that's what God has, God has saved us for. And, you know, I've said this before, but this may come as a shock to us. Every one of these virtues of God were really not, they were really not realized to after man sinned. Do y'all, do y'all realize that? Now think about this. What did Adam and Eve have when they had the garden? What, what, did, they, what did they know about God in the garden? The biggest thing I can think of was provision. They, they, were, they were being provided for. The, the guard was providing um, protection. I, I can think protection would be one of them. Um, but really, if you think of these things, when were those things recognized? After sin. So what did sin do? Now, I'm not saying sin was a good thing, but guess what sin did? Sin sold us the whole picture of God. It gave us a complete picture now. And now we're going to see, guess what? My God is full of mercy. My God is full of grace. My God is full of forgiveness. My God is full of love. Think about that. that, that that's who God is. So what we're doing. See, God could have been any God he wanted to be. He's God. He's Lord. But thank you, Jesus, that's my God. That, that's, that's the Lord. That, that's Jehovah. That's our creator. That's the sovereign God full of love and mercy and grace and forgiveness. So that's what we should be doing, church. We declare those things. We declare what God, who, who God is. That not, we, we, we worship God here, but really we're not declaring to the world and hear who he is. Where does that happen? It happens out there. By the words you speak, by the life you live, by the, word, by the way you speak to your spouse or your children, the, the way you conduct yourself at your job, the way you honor your employer, uh, all those different, in your neighborhood, the way you, just all those different things. Everything about your life should do what? It should be honoring God and showing everyone this is who God is. Right. See, we, we, we direct everyone to the glorious praises of God, the virtues of God. Let the world see. Don't see that the, the devil and the world has hijacked the truth of who God is. Right. They, they've, done a, they've deceived the world and they've made the world look like it's all about religion it, God doesn't care about you. God's distant. You, you know, he doesn't know who you are, but that's not what the Bible says. Amen. The Bible says God is near me. He's near the brokenhearted, the humble and contrite. God will not, will, he, he will not turn away. That's who God is. So who, who's going to be the one? The media's not going to do it. Who, the, the religious ain't going to do it. Who's going to be the ones telling the world who God is? It's going to be us. We, not, we might not be able to reach the whole world, but we can reach Covington. We can reach Madisonville and Abita Springs and Mandeville, a region that God has placed us in. We're here for a purpose and a reason that, that we might permeate from this location everywhere our church goes, the virtues of God. So they can see that, that's, that must, that's who God is. 
I see, I see it in his life, her life. That, that, that must be who Jesus is. Yeah, that's who he is. I'm, 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 show, I'm showing you that. So that's who he is. So, see, tell someone of God's faithfulness. Has God healed you? Has God changed you? Has God done anything for you? Has he given you hope? Has God given you joy? Then go and tell somebody. That's what we are called to do. Then 1 Peter 2, 9 says, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So the next thing Peter's telling us here is you got a story to tell. You have a story to tell. You're not telling my story, and I'm not telling your story. But, but Peter said that you may proclaim the praises of him who called who? Who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God, God called you out of darkness. Jesus brought you out of chaos, out of confusion, out of heaviness, out of deception, out of emptiness. See, without Jesus, this world is walking in darkness. They have no direction. They have no hope. They have no purpose. But see, not the children of God. See, God has called me out of darkness now. I, I'm called out of, out, of the, out, of, out of the darkness of the world, the confusion of the world. Now I'm walking in the light. See, now, I got, now I got the light of Christ. I, I know where I'm going. I, I understand what the world is saying. I, I understand the craziness of our government and the, the confusion of the media and, and all the things that are happening in our world today. It all makes sense to me. I'm not overwhelmed by that. Why? I got the Holy Spirit giving me discernment to understand. You see, why? I got the light. I got the light. See, God has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. God called you out. So you got a, you got a testimony. You, you have a story. If, if, if you're a Christian, you, you got a story to tell. There, there's something that God, that God has done for you. See, the Bible says that, he, that, the, that the word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I walk according to the word of God now. I, I go according to what Jesus tells me to do. I'm living according to what the Bible says. And I got light. I got peace. I got joy. All of those things. So what, what's your story? What, what would you tell somebody that God did for you? You've got to have something to say. God, God's got to have done something for you. How did you meet Jesus? What, what was it like when you met Jesus? What, what happened after Jesus? What what has Jesus taught you, especially if you've been saved for many years? What, what are some things you've learned? See, my story, I, I was saved at the age of 16, 16 years old. I didn't know it all, didn't understand it all, but I said, you know what? I know I need Jesus. I, I, need, I, need, I need to be saved. I, I need to be born again. And I, and I gave my life. I surrendered my life. I, I told the Lord at that time, I said, I'm surrendering my life to you now. Like, I'm giving you my will to you. I, no matter what happens in my life, I'm out, my allegiance is going to be to you, Lord. Amen. Have I been perfect? No. Have I been blessed? Yes. Amen. I've got light. Right. I've got truth. I've got the way, the truth, and the life. See, that's a story. That's a, that's a testimony. That, that's something that we are, we, are called, we are called to proclaim. See, your message, your message must be connected to Jesus. Don't tell somebody you're changed because of the church you go to. You go to the church because you're born again. You're looking for a place to fellowship with other Christians. But that's not your story. That's not your testimony. Your testimony is Jesus. Everything we always say has got to point where? It's always got to point to the cross. Because that's what, that's what God's done. See, it ain't, see we all, it, that's hard for us. Why? Because we want to, this flesh wants to take a part in this. I want to participate. You don't get to participate. It don't work that way. Your participation is this. 
we worship, we praise, we declare, we acknowledge, we confess, we surrender, all those things that we do. That, that's, that's how we participate. See, Jesus, Jesus is the light of the world. You know, many people are you know, talking about this tragedy that happened this past week in Uvalde, Texas, and, you know, it's always the same talking points, you know, with the gun control. And, you know, people say, you know, if this was a gun and, and that gun, this gun is just sitting right here, you know, with th that gun on its own is not going to shoot anybody. Had to, they said there was wickedness in his heart. And, and, I, and I believe that. I, I, do, I do believe that. But the world is at a loss. They're scratching their heads, and they're trying to figure out what is the answer to, to fill that, that, that evil heart. How do, how do we change that heart? And I never, ever hear the media ever talk about Jesus. I never, ever hear them talk about God. And they always, they never want to, they never want to go to God for the answers, but they always want to remove God from everything. So they want to remove God from everything, then we're left with the consequence, but then when we try to tell you God is the antidote, we don't want anything to do with it. That young man, he needed a new heart. He, he was hurt. He was wounded. It sounds like he was one of those guys that might have been bullied. Uh, I don't know what the whole story is, but obviously his heart was not healed. He, 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 needed, he needed a new heart. And the Bible, the Bible talks about this, and this isn't on the screen here, in, in, uh, in, in Ezekiel, in Ezekiel chapter 11. And this was, Ezekiel was prophesying this prophecy thousands of years before the coming of Christ, before the Holy Spirit had even been poured on the day of Pentecost. Ezekiel was saying this. I will give them an, un an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. That is the answer to the world's problems right there. People need a new heart. That young man needed a new heart. People have evil in their hearts because they got a hard heart. They got a heart of stone. And why, did, why is Ezekiel using that analogy of the heart, the heart, the, the stone in the flesh? Because a hard heart can't be taught by God. A hard heart doesn't want to surrender, doesn't want to learn, doesn't want to love, doesn't want to do all those things. It's a hard heart. But what does flesh, what does flesh represent? Flesh represents something that can be molded, that can be shaped, that can be taught. That, that can be humbled, that can be broken, all those different things. And then when it says, I will, I will, I will put within, within a new spirit, what's that? That's the Holy Spirit. Yes. And now they will be not led by the flesh, they'll be led by the Holy Spirit. Yes. If we, see, that's the answer. That's, it sounds simple, but it's not simple. It's what the Word of God says. Yes. When you really become born again, and God gives you a new heart, you're going to love other people. You're going to forgive even if you were done wrong, you're going to forgive others, your mother, your father, your grandmother, whatever it was in his life, you're going to forgive. Why? Because God has healed me. I got a new heart. That's our message. That's what, that, that's what the world needs. That's the answer to racism. Why does racism? Because there's hatred. People have hatred in their hearts. Get a new heart. Jesus, Jesus, we love. I love because of Christ. We're compelled to love. That's the message of the church. That's the answer. So I don't care if that's oversimplified. That's what the Bible says. Yes. They need a new heart. See, God give us the Tabernacle Church in Covington the courage 
to proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into the marvelous light of Christ. Give us courage, God. Open up our mouth. We got to, our mouths are closed sometimes. Mine gets closed. It's like concrete. But the Holy Spirit, open up my mouth. Let me just say Jesus. Let me just say Jesus loves you. That we may declare the praises of God. And then in verse 10, it says, who, were, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. See, you were not a people, now you are the people of God. Now, look at this verse of Scripture here. How, how can a people not be a people? <laughs> now, think about that. It's saying that it says, you were once not a people, but you are a people. But you were once not a people, but now you are a people. What is the Bible talking about there? What it's talking about is without Christ, you were dead. You, you were dead. And the Bible even says that you're dead in your transgressions. You're dead in your sins. We, we are dead. Now you say, no, I'm not dead. I'm, I'm breathing. I'm talking. I got life. No, you have no meaning. You have no life. You have no purpose. You don't have Christ inside of you. Your spirit is dead. You, your flesh might be alive but your spirit is dead. The part of you that is really you is dead, the Bible says. Without Christ, we are really dead men and dead women walking. That's really, you have no life. You have no meaning. There, there's no direction. There's no purpose. There, there's just chaos and confusion. It's just whatever goes, goes. But now in Christ, I have life. So, so the Bible says, you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. Now you are people with purpose with meaning, with life, with understanding, with eternal life, all of, the, all of those things. See, now we are satisfied, we are fulfilled, we are complete. We are living the life we were created to live. See, really, what God has done in Christ, he's restored us back to Adam and Eve before Adam and Eve fell. This is who we were created to be, full of life, full of peace, full of joy, all the things that God had for us that was lost in the Garden of Eden. God has restored those things in Christ. Now we're sons and daughters of God. We're, we're people of God. And then it says, we have obtained mercy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you love me. You forgave me. You did all those things. It was a, we, we, were, we, we, were, we had a death sentence without the possibility of parole. That was what our death sentence was. You, you had a death sentence. You were on death row with no parole. But an advocate came in. His name is Jesus. And he stepped up and says, I'll die in his place. I'll die for her, that she and him might be forgiven, that they might have eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. See, we, we declare, we declare the praises. We declare, we shout the name of Jesus. We, we declare the excellencies, the virtues of God, everything that God has done for us. I'm just going to ask Eli just to start playing that music, please, in the background. You know, we can rejoice. The Bible says in the book of Revelations, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Did you know that? There's a book that, that has names in it. And if you've confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, your name's in that book. That's a good book to have your name in. That's something to be excited about. So you were God's special possession. You were chosen. You're set apart. You're called to tell others about the wonderful virtues of God. And you, now you are really a people. You say, well, I was a people. No, you weren't. Now you are a people. You're the, you're the people of God. 
Ephesians chapter 3. It says, when I, think, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able, through His mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. God has done so much for us, church. We have so much to be thankful for. We're the people of God. You can stand to your feet just for a moment here, and we're going to close.